Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. This is Snap Judgments of the off-date variety. Ohio State has no opponent. They don't have to beat R or Sparty or anybody else this week. They can just focus on themselves. That's why the Ohio State logo is up there. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. We got to speak with Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, Justin Fry, and Larry Johnson on Tuesday afternoon. A nice little happy hour with the Ohio State coaching staff. Bill, what did you learn? I feel like I learned a lot. I feel like it was a good like football information day. I, of course, am going to start with the offensive line. No. Uh, because it's the first time we've talked to Justin Fry this year, and I thought this was the most um, elaborate he's been in talking about his guys and uh, the way they were, the way they're playing, some of their strengths and weaknesses. But, but honestly, the thing that came across the most from him uh, is that he's not going to be here very long <laughs> because uh, you just get the vibe from him that he's like a very good teacher and a very sharp football mind. Uh, which I think helps explain why this offensive line has gelled so quickly and has um, been playing probably better than we expected them to at this point. Um, obviously, you get a lot of credit to the players, but man, Justin Fry is a really impressive guy. Tom Allen should definitely be fired at Indiana, hmm. but Ohio State sh- fans should hope that he gets one more year so that the Buckeyes get to keep Justin Fry until then. Yeah, I didn't think we were going to talk about Indiana this early, but it's clear uh, that Justin Fry, much like we've all said back in January, like when you get a chance to talk to the guy, there's something unique about him. Uh, he, he understands football. He understands the communication side of the sport and how to deal with the different personalities. That offensive line is playing extremely well, but those guys are all very different people. Uh, Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson are very different you know, personalities. Matt Jones and, and Donovan Jackson are very different. Uh, Luke Whipler is very weird. Uh, and nerdy, <laughs> but we love him. Uh, and, and you know, you it, it takes a, a very skilled communicator and teacher to, to spread a message to everyone uh, the way that he's doing. My biggest takeaway is that even though it's an off week, they're not off. And, and you know, Ohio State, we got here. I got here a little early. They're already oh, cutting. Just up, stole this from Tyvis from yesterday. They're already cutting up tape uh, for Iowa. They're t- looking ahead there. You know, there's practice today, tomorrow, Wednesday. It's Marvin Harrison, of course, is already out here. It's Marvin Harrison o'clock in the Woody. We're catching <laughs> catching uh, practice uh, pre-practice footballs with Reese Stockdale and Xavier Johnson. Like this team is, I don't like to use urbanisms, but laser focused and continues to be laser lights. Laser uh, lights focused. They continue to be just very dialed in, and I think for people out there who worry about. Will they get complacent on the off week after the easy six weeks of the season? I don't think that's something to be concerned about. Yeah. Uh, Bill, did you get the answer you wanted for Ohio, uh, Ohio State's offensive line targeting things? Yeah, this is targeting in a good way, not targeting in the way that gets you uh, thrown out of a game and possibly the one after that. Uh, I did. It's about identification, I think, for, for those guys. And, and it comes back to, I think, maybe Justin Fry's preparedness. It just seems like when those guys, those five offensive linemen, get out on the field on a Saturday, they're not surprised by anything they see. They've seen a lot of different fronts, different approaches, some more aggressive than others, some teams that want to you know, hang back and play coverage, and obviously that makes it easier to run the ball, but you still have to know where you're going with your blocks, who to block, um, what the intended target point is of, of a given run call, and all that's felt really on point um, to, to this point in the season. So um, I think that that is part of that is, is just how much football I think Justin Fry knows and can get them prepared for a lot of things, but also the way he teaches it in a way that gets them ready without over-preparing them or, or overloading them with too much information. I suppose we could get this out of the way from a normal Tuesday with the injury updates for the Buckeyes. There's not going to be a status report during the off date. No need for one. But Ryan Day did run down the list of guys who are out for the season, and it's the exact same list that it's been. So there's nothing new to add to that. And everybody else, the 
the nagging stuff that's been going on. The headliners, of course, being Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. All those guys are and expected to play against Iowa, as we've been saying for several weeks. Uh, and then potentially you can add Jordan Hancock into that mix as well. Uh, I would say that it's not 100% certain at this point that that's going to be the case for Jordan Hancock, but certainly getting closer. Um, and then the only one that you could really scratch out for Iowa well, would be continuing to deal with this injury for Cameron Babb, uh, a knee setback that he had early on in training camp, still unlikely to play against Iowa and an unclear win that might be. Yeah, I mean, I think you can feel confident that Ohio State's going to go into the Iowa game letting guys, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Anderson, Mayan Williams, all kind of go as, as close to full speed, as close to limitless as possible. Um, I don't think that's the case with Jordan Hancock. Even if he does play, I think you'd still see him on somewhat of a pitch count and, and maybe monitor that a little closer. But clearly this team is getting healthy. One of the things I'm really interested in is whether or not the practice – intensity changes moving forward from here as the weather changes as the level of competition comes up uh, obviously i was going to be very physical penn state is is always ohio state's or traditionally the last decade has been ohio state's toughest game every year uh then you have a, a decent maryland team and then of course michigan so I, I wonder if you have to reel it in a little bit in practice and not go so um head to head uh, as they have been, but that's something I guess we'll ask more about next week. Probably. Have you seen Maryland recently? Yeah, they're an okay team. They're, they're okay. They're better, I think, than they probably usually are. Yeah, they're okay. They're yeah, not they're a. Right. They're not a. They're better than Michigan State. Yeah, losing to Purdue. They're better than Michigan State. Purdue's a good team. Are they? Aren't they? No. They're fine. Yeah, they're, they're fine. fine. They're also better than Michigan State. Yeah, they're better than Michigan State too. Okay. If, That's if, the threshold. Let's do the better right, than Michigan State threshold. Decent, decent is, means being better than Michigan State. Yeah. I'm not sure that I'm going to sign off on that, but again, I guess. They're better than like 70. They're better than like 60. Teams. They're better than like 60 teams in the country. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. Probably yeah, not, but whatever. Anyway, you can't keep telling me that you just said yesterday that the Big Ten stinks. They do. And you can't turn around and but then say still that Maryland better, is decent. But they're still better than like 60 teams around the country because the the gap between the top five and the rest, the, the next 55 is pretty, pretty large. But I don't think we should just offhand say these guys aren't, they're all terrible. Like they're, they have good weeks and bad weeks. That's how normal football is. Mm. We don't we don't watch normal football. We cover Ohio State. It's that is always true. that is a good, that is a, like, something important to keep in mind when like, watching the rest of the country. Is what we watch is not normal. Fine, we'll check back in on that Maryland take when it's actually time for them to play the Zerpins, which is not now. Um, Bill, what about this defensive line rotation that I have talked about now for six consecutive weeks? And Larry Johnson's answer. I want you two to analyze that before I do. I, uh, I don't know that I understood it uh, very well because um, he said it was like philosophy hasn't changed. And maybe that's, I guess it can be true that his philosophy hasn't changed, uh, but someone changed it for him. <laughs> uh, I guess it is, it is different. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I buy that he actually wants to play guys 40, 45 snaps a game, but that's kind of what he said. Um, I'm more about kind of what you do in, in practice, and I don't, I don't think he has done that, but um, I think it's been taken away from him a little bit uh, in a way that will benefit Ohio State in the long run, provided that Mike Hall gets healthy enough to play 35, 40 snaps a game. I think that he will. I think the Rob Vincent will. I think those ends will. Um, I don't know if Larry will love it, but that's, I think, what they need to do. I don't understand it from this perspective, and I, I don't want to – like Larry Johnson, has, his reputation, his career, the Hall of Famers he's produced – 
he's earned the right to do things somewhat his way. Obviously, you're part of a team. You're going to have to mix and match personalities, mix and match uh, you know um, perspectives a little bit. Michael Hall had played like 30 snaps against Rutgers. So unless he had a setback on the shoulder against Rutgers, then I don't particularly understand the rationale of saying, well, he was dinged up, so we wanted to slow him down against Michigan State. But like he only played seven snaps, but he played 30 against Rutgers when it was less necessary for him to play. So I don't really know what's real and what's not. What I do know is that it's clear Larry Johnson wants to play a lot of guys. And some of that I would imagine is because the relationship he has with people is is a little bit different than, than coach and player. And that's one of the reasons that players love him. It's why his guys flock to him the way they do. It's why his room is a little bit insulated from the rest of the program in a lot of ways and things that go on. But at the same time, as I said, like, you're part of the Jim Knowles defense. It's not the Larry Johnson defense. So if Jim Knowles says, I want this guy playing more, that guy probably needs to play more. So maybe it's the fact that Jim Knowles needs to be more demonstrative. Maybe he's, you know, letting, and he said the defensive uh, assistants get to decide who gets the reps in their rooms, but there is always veto power. And Yes. And up to a point until it becomes a potential problem. And look, Ohio State is playing very well. They're getting a lot of pressure. Uh, one of the best run defenses in the country. By every statistical measure, they're playing fine. So it is nitpicking. The, Larry Johnson tried to cram about four different explanations into the answer to the question that I asked about it. And suggesting that the starters aren't getting enough reps because the defense isn't playing enough plays, I don't understand that. Now, he tried to partner that with the fact that he wants guys to continue to be fresh, fresh in the fourth quarter. Well, if you're blowing teams out because your guys played a lot in the first two quarters, then you get to rotate. You get to play more guys. It's great. That's sort of how the point of that. You don't have to be fresh in the fourth quarter to beat Michigan State or to beat what this version of Wisconsin or Rutgers the week before. And we have seen that Ohio State has pared that down a little bit in the last few weeks, and I believe that uh, the defensive line was directed to do so. And as long as that they continue on that path and you get a healthier version of my call down the stretch, I don't know that we'll see some of the third-team defensive linemen out there for a lot of these games that are ahead. But, you know, I think that Larry Johnson still wants to do it his way. And as Burm said, it's worked for a really long time. But this team, and Larry did not answer this directly. I didn't really expect him to, you know, to criticize the guys 9 through 13, the ones that he said in the training camp that he wanted to play and how deep they'd be able to rotate. like He did not want to address that, and I understand, but those guys are not good enough for Ohio State to win a national championship when they're on the field. That's just well, the, that's yeah, clear. The question I have is if, if Jerron Cage is playing in the first quarter, why is he playing in the fourth quarter? Um, if you're saying you don't want you want guys fresh in the fourth in the big games, but you also want to get in a lot of reps for younger guys, like if you travel to Michigan State and you take Hero Canoe and you take Kenyatta Jackson and you take Caden Curry, and at that point you're not playing JT Tuomalau and Jack Sawyer, why are you still playing the guys that you thought were pl- good enough to play in the first quarter? So it's just weird, um, like. Uh, mix and match philosophy that I don't particularly understand, but again, that's not our, not my job to to figure it out. Um, I just think that there's a potential. Bill, you can tell me if you think that I'm off base, but like, there's a potential as the season gets into the tougher games where some of these guys are going to be 
maybe not have not seen as much as they needed to see when you're playing against a running back um, like Penn State has with Nick Singleton or, or someone like that. It's, it's a different level of speed and quickness, and I just think you don't get any better if you don't have reps. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a balance there. Like, I, I agree with that for sure, but maybe you also want to steal some plays so that you're fresher for those games, and I, I don't have the perfect answer for how to go about that, but I think it's pretty clear that when, when those games do come, and, like, listen, like, I know Iowa's, like, a terrible offensive team, but, like, they're a pretty, like, big, rugged team. Like, I think that's going to be a, a nice physical challenge for the off- for the defensive line as well. Um, you want your best four or five out there. Yeah, like, Wisconsin played without their two starting offensive tackles, and I know they had one 75-yard <laughs> run, but they ran for 190 yards against Ohio State. So, like, that's what I was going to try to do, right? So Yeah. I mean, they're going to try to – Keep the ball away from the offense by by, by Notre Dame. Their own to, offense, Notre, yeah, right yeah. From their own, yeah. Get out of their own way. Notre Dame tried to do the same thing. Catch twenty two. Yeah. It'll be the plan for probably. It'll be the plan for Iowa for sure. It'll be the plan for Indiana. Um, maybe not so much Penn State and and Maryland because they're a little more functional offensively. But um, there are stiffer challenges coming for this defensive line that has played very well to this point. And maybe is the point we're trying to get to. And when those challenges come, they just can't play. Nine, ten guys, because what you cut that in half, the bottom half's not good enough. Anything from Jim Knowles? I just like listening to him talk, man. I, I just really appreciate the guy's ability to connect uh, about what defense is to him philosophically. I was actually thinking while he was at the podium about the fact that this is probably a guy he's never played high, high level football, and it's just interesting to me how intelligent he is about the game and i was actually texting with a recruit at the minute jim Knowles was on the podium and the guy said it was somebody you know ran into in a high school on monday he said i couldn't believe how intelligent he was and you just sort of get this different vibe from him up there it's not you know being a defensive coordinator a lot of times is about rah-rah intensity and all that stuff but the ability to flip that switch and go into straight up teaching mode the way he does uh is very cool to see so i i wasn't in the room a lot when he was up, but to me, the five minutes I was in there was was really cool to hear that. It's that uh, Philadelphia Catholic League education. <laughs> yeah, that's an, and he is. That's he, what they say. He is an Ivy Leaguer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did, I know Cornell is not a football factory, but they're pretty smart up there for what. Andy I've Bernard went. Go there. Big Red. It's right. It's Big Red. Let's say I say Big Red. Uh, big Red Bear. It's Big Red Bear. Yeah, the bobblehead. Yeah. Um, I thought it was Big Red Bear. It's Big Red Bear. I, I thought it was interesting how we talked about the cornerback issues. I guess we can call them issues, um, and how maybe not all of those losses and contested situations are fully on the cornerback, or, or or not a direct result of what we see in that particular moment. He talked a lot about having to be better at the line of scrimmage. Um, he said throw better punches several times, mm-hmm. reroute guys, um, knock them back, throw the timing off of plays. I think that can help. But he also said too that he could probably make some better calls there in some of the situations to not present situations to opposing offenses where they feel like they can take advantage of a single up one-on-one matchup on, on the outside. Um, and I think that's probably partly true as well. But I, I think the greater issue there is is having your corners up the snuff when those moments arise. Because you have to, this defense, you have to be able to put those guys on islands yeah. for it to be successful. Um, so I, I, Jim Knowles can help them, but, but I think it's still a little more on the players to execute a little bit better. But I thought it was good of him to point out that it's not just at the catch point. They can help themselves at the line of scrimmage. I was going to say a big part of the way this defense is played means if you can get them to throw on your cornerback so you expect to be better in those one-on-one matchups and win more than 50% of the time, like that's generally going to go down as a win. That's sort of the way that Jim Knowles wants to force the ball where he wants it to go because you – 
go into the year and you think, well, Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke and a healthy Jordan Hancock are, it, the percentage is not going to be 50-50. You think you're going to win more than half of the time, and that has not been the case for Ohio State. If the number right now was closer to 70-30, we wouldn't be saying there were issues at all. Like They're 50-50 balls, but Ohio State is winning very few of them, and statistically, that's not how it should work. That's yeah. You don't... <laughs> You don't flip a coin and think you're going to get 10 straight hail, tails, but that's sort of how that it, it's been for Ohio State right now. So it, I understand his point, and it's well made, and it is important to keep that in mind that, you know, if the ball is held for another half of a second, uh, you're probably going to get a very different result as well. So they're working on that, and Ryan Day said that they are going to try and get game-like reps for uh, all of those cornerbacks so that that's something that they can actually uh, tackle and address during this off date. Really, it's hard to say that there's a lot else that this team needs other than getting healthy and letting the cornerbacks get yeah. some of those reps. Because, again, when it comes to Cameron Brown, when it comes to Denzel Burke, and especially when it comes to Jordan Hancock, a lot of those didn't exist in training camp. And that I think that's probably a perspective that's important for us to keep in mind as well is that they have not had as much practice time as they normally would. Yeah, and Bill, last week um, we were here and he said, do you feel good when you – think something and then the coaches validate it and that's what we talked about on monday's show at roosters was with tyvis was are they just not doing a good enough job being physical at the line of scrimmage because they are cornerbacks that are a little bit smaller um you know they're not the heavier guys and how do you get better at throwing a punch at the line of scrimmage and is after a couple of years of playing in a softer zone and what matt barnes and Kerry combs you know let happen in the last two years is it hard to get that mentality back and I, I think we saw Ryan Day brought up Denzel Burke and said he thought he played his best game of the year I tend to agree from the rewatch but again he didn't get tested a lot but this is about being physical at corner that's why I like and that's why Ohio State likes what they've seen out of Jerry Brown in practice that's why they like what they've seen out of Ryan Turner in practice because those guys are young enough to not know that they should handle it differently they're just going out there and throwing whatever punch they can <laughs> uh, and it seems like that's a better mentality or a better approach than out thinking yourself in that space all right that will do it for snap judgments for the entire week this will be the only media availability for the buckeyes it was jam-packed with information if you missed it you can catch up the video right next to this one on the podcast uh, youtube channel Uh, we'll still have the daily coming for you we still have some buckeye cues and a few other things throughout the week as we always do uh berms warming up the soundboard for some mid-season sure am bold predicts (laughs) on friday so Get excited for that. Uh, And until then, uh, we hope you have a great week, great off date. We still got content coming for you. That's Bill Burham. I'm Austin. We will see you tomorrow.